This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. What's up, Cedar Valley, and hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show here on AM950, KOEL, and KOEL.com, hosted by me, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media. Great stuff on today's show. UNI linebacker and captain from the Panthers, Spencer Kuvalier. He's joining the show to preview Western Illinois and also give us his analysis of the defense. Of course, we talked about it this earlier this week with Josh Betts talking about the defensive tackling and the, the other defensive issues. But Spencer comes on and tells us, gives us the inside scoop of what he thinks is going on with the Panther defense. And then Sean Bach from Hawkeye Insider and 24-7 Sports joins to share his thoughts on 2023 four-star running back Kendrick Rayfield deciding to decommit from Iowa this week. We also preview that Rutgers game and talk a little bit more about the Hawkeyes' offense. But first... I've told you before that on this show, we like to hit some national stuff from time to time, and it's 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 kind of all over the place, and clearly we didn't talk about Iowa State in that opener. They're playing number 17 Baylor at home. I think that's going to be a great game. If we had another segment, I would use it to interview somebody and talk about that game. I'm picking Iowa State. They are favored by two and a half at home. I think Hunter Deckers is for real. They move up into the top 25 after uh, defeating number 17 Baylor who is two and one. So that's what I expect for that game this weekend. But then, like I mentioned, typically we hit the national stuff. And if you're like me, you've been inundated with the Ime Udoka and Robert Sarver news, both from the NBA and Ime Udoka with the Celtics uh, being accused of some internal stuff where he had a relationship with a female staff member and whether or not it was consensual is up in the air right now. Robert Sarver, of course, with the racism, uh, sexism. I don't know if homophobia is involved in that investigation either being forced to sell the sons. And we've discussed a lot of hard things on this show. And both of those news stories, both of those stories are dominating not only the sports news cycle, but the regular news cycle too. And, I'm not saying that we're not going to address it because we have talked about a lot of hard stuff. We talked about the aim shooting. We talked about Deshaun Watson and his situation ongoing with, I don't necessarily, I don't think it's called, it would be called a sexual assault situation, but the allegations that are going towards him from 30 women and different masseuses and massage therapists and such. So we've talked about the hard stuff, but in regards to the Robert Sarver and Ime Udoka news, What I'm going to tell you to do is go to The Athletic, go to ESPN, go to places with reliable sources because I don't want to talk about something that I don't know enough about to have an opinion on, and and especially something of this magnitude because apparently stuff I'm seeing on Twitter from different NBA media outlets and and people that are connected to the NBA is uh, that the Emi Udoka stuff is way worse than uh, it appears on the surface, but... Anyway, what I'm saying is go check that out. I don't want to touch on it today because I don't know enough. And so what we're going to do, we're going to go to the NFL and we're going to have we're going to have some fun this morning. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We haven't done a whole lot of NFL content here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. And you might be able to tell before we get into it, you might be able to tell by my voice here and then on our next two segments that I'm a little stuffy and I got some gunk in my throat. This is kind of my flu game. 
what we got going on right now, MJ's flu game. I'm going to bring it to you live here on Court Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. So we're going to dive right into the NFL stuff that I want to talk about today. And what we're, we're exactly going to be doing is whether I not whether or not I see these first two weeks, two to three weeks, if you're the Steelers and, and, and Browns, for two to three games, if I think the start to the season is real or fake based on their record, how they've played so far, whether I think teams are going to turn it around or fall flat on their face, what we see happening in the future, a, a more or less a contender or pretender situation going on this morning. And so we're just going to go down the list, right? First off in the AFC East, contender or pretender, real or fake, the Miami Dolphins. And had they gotten blown out by the Baltimore Ravens last week instead of mounting that 21-point comeback and winning, then it would have been an easy choice to say, yeah, yeah, they're fake. But when you have two receivers of the capability and speed of Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill and Tua Tagovailoa shutting up the haters and overcoming a 21-point deficit to beat the Baltimore Ravens. They didn't overcome a 21-point deficit to beat the New York Jets. They didn't overcome a 21-point deficit to beat the Houston Texans. They Texans, they overcame a 21-point deficit to beat the Baltimore Ravens. So the Dolphins are very legit in my mind. Tyreek Hill, if you can go get him, you go get him. Add him on top of Jalen Waddle, who is a teammate of Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama. That offense is legit. The defense is for real, too, in Miami. I really like what they have going on down there with the Dolphins. Next to the AFC North, Bengals coming off a Super Bowl appearance. They're 0-2 with a loss to the Dallas Cowboys last week. Joe Burrow comes out this week and he says that he's deleted Instagram and Twitter from his phone, not the accounts, just the apps. And that's, you know, woohoo, you know, that's awesome, doesn't want to be distracted, whatever. I'm not saying that I think it's a fake 0-2 start because of that. I'm saying I think they're actually for real. I think it's fake because maybe they're starting off slow, a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover kind of thing, even though they didn't win it. And Joe Burrow is going to ride the ship. I have absolute faith in Joe Burrow, 110%. This is a guy who wins over and over and over and over. I mean, since that... 2019 year with LSU, this guy has been unfreaking stoppable. You don't have an offensive line as putrid as the Bengals did last season, and you go to the Super Bowl unless you have Joe Burrow. So those three receivers, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and, and Jamar Chase, I love that they added Hayden Hurst at, at that tight end position, kind of give him a second chance, even though he's a first-round pick. Didn't do too well. I think he was with the Ravens before. I believe in Joe Burrow. If I have the opportunity to take a Joe Burrow, I'm taking him over probably 90 to 95% of the league. I'd probably take Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, you know, if it's one season, Tom Brady, uh, those guys, of course, the, the the cream of the crop ahead of of Joe Burrow. But it's, it's, it's tough to say no to a guy that wins like that. So I think the Bengals turn it around. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to go 15 and two in this 17 game season, probably like an 11, six and 10 and seven sort of situation as they turn around. I, I, I see them fixing it with, uh, and they brought in a bunch of different guys on, on the offensive line too, to protect Burrow. So I believe in them. I don't believe in a single team in the AFC South. I can tell you that right now. They're all bad. All of them. When the Jaguars lead your division at one and one, you know that that is a bad, bad, bad conference. Texans, 
one and one Colts one and one Titans oh and two maybe the one of the biggest surprises in this NFL season so far the Titans having started so horribly they lost 21 to 20 in that game I believe it was against the yeah it was against the Giants and then got blown out last week against the Bills they're probably a middle of the road team right now Ryan Tannehill not not he's just he's just a very mid quarterback very mid as the kids say and uh, if there's a team that's going to make the playoffs out of that conference or out of that d- division, rather, I mean, I'm a Trevor Lawrence believer long term. If they make the playoffs this year, just based on how putrid the rest of the division is, I, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked. I'm a believer pretty much in the entirety of the AFC West. Do I think the Broncos are going to turn it around? Probably. Just based on Russell Wilson's pedigree, I, I would say they turn it around. Plus the rest of the talent on the offense. I'm a, I really like Cortland Sutton. Um, but at the same time, they have looked like, <clears throat> excuse me, flu game. Remember, as we're talking here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk, a little NFL talk this morning here on AM 950, KOEL and as we're talking about the uh, AFC West, whether I think some of these teams are contenders or pretenders, real or fake, as we're two to three games into the season, this NFL season, Broncos, long term, it's hard for me not to believe in Russell Wilson just because he's that underdog guy, right? Came in the league, set it on fire, went to a bunch of Super Bowls, probably should have won two or three more based on that defense, but now he's a Denver Bronco, super lucrative contract. I don't know what we're going to see from from them and the rest of the season. <sighs> they strike me as a team that will underwhelm this year, get some stuff figured out, and then come back next year and probably be an 11-win team. In regards to the rest of the AFC West, you know, it, Raiders haven't started the way they wanted to. I think Devontae Adams and, and, and Derek Carr are probably going to go on a tear later on in the season. I do see them as probably a nine win team this season probably nine and eight and then you look at the Chiefs and the Chargers Chargers I've been a Chargers fan since uh, I really started paying attention to football I'm actually wearing a Chargers shirt right now Uh, believe it or not growing up in Iowa you can you can pick whoever you want when you're you grow up in Iowa so uh, Justin Herbert as long as he's healthy I believe in this team 100% I did not I was not behind the Justin Herbert pick initially when he was taken out of Oregon but I do 100% believe in him I am a believer and Justin Herbert, and then the Chiefs are the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes and the officials. But you know, I'm I'm not the guy to ask about that. Let's move over to the NFC, and now we're going into some way more interesting stuff as we're approaching the uh, <clears throat> National Football Conference here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL this Saturday morning. The Eagles and the Giants, I am not a believer in the Giants. There are stories online saying maybe the worst team to ever start doing. And I think that's fair. You know, talent wise, uh, scheme wise, I'm not really maybe not scheme wise, but talent wise, they're not there yet. Daniel Jones, they got him because they thought that he was an Eli Manning, you know, reincarnated, even though he's not dead. And. He's just not an NFL quarterback. I really, I'm not a believer. If they were to get somebody who was a real NFL quarterback, if they brought in somebody on a massive contract, if they went out and traded for 
I don't know. I mean, Jimmy G's the conversation, and it was a conversation, not so much anymore now. But if they got a legitimate quarterback there, maybe drafted one in this coming draft, uh, 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 the kid from Alabama or something, I don't know. It's it's not Daniel Jones. I love Brian, Brian Dayball. I love that hire. From what I've seen, that guy was a, a huge hire. I think he's great relationally. I think he knows what he's doing offensively. And I, I think they're on the up and up. I'm not a believer yet. Eagles, I'm a believer in. They went out and signed so many different guys this offseason. Jalen Hurts has started to elevate his game into becoming a real NFL quarterback when a lot of people, including myself, didn't believe in him. I did not see him translating to the league and being an elite NFL quarterback. Now, I don't think he's elite, but he's good. Yeah, the NFC North, literally the entire NFC North is one and one. Um, I believe in... The Packers. The Packers are going to win some games this year. Vikings, Kirk Cousins, you know, he's Kirk Cousins. He can't show up in the big moment. Chicago Bears, they don't have enough talent. Um, and then the Lions, Dan Campbell, I that's another great hire that I think this team is on an upward trajectory. They're not there right now, but I, I do see that in the coming years for the Detroit Lions Shift over to the NFC South, and we got the Buccaneers, who are 2-0, the Saints, who are 1-1, Panthers and Falcons, 0-2. I don't believe in either of those teams. Panthers and the Falcons, they are awful. The Saints are going to be relevant and good because their defense is going to be consistent and, and good. And I just, having covered the Pelicans, I have some investment in New Orleans, including the Saints, and, and I have some friends down there. And I want to believe in the Saints. I want to believe in Jameis. I'm just not sure yet. I, I just, I want to see more before I say, yeah, I think the Saints are, are, are going to go forward and, and win a bunch of games this season. Buccaneers, who I, I think they're riding on the coattails of Tom Brady. Who knows? That dude looks like a skeleton right now. Obviously, there's reports he's having marital issues. Who knows, man? I mean, they pulled out that game against the Saints last week, but credit the defense because... Ultimately, I mean, I think the refs blew a bunch of calls in that game. I did watch that game, and that was that was rough. Lastly, NFC West, contender or pretender, believe or disbelieve, real or fake. Again, everybody in this conference, one and one. 49ers, Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals. I believe in the Cardinals. Kyler Murray's a freak athlete. I, I love his weapons that he's got there on the outside. Seahawks, Geno Smith's their quarterback. I don't need to say anymore. Uh, Rams, they, they lost that first game to the Bills, but they won the Super Bowl last year. How can you say no to the to the Rams and then the, the 49ers? I'm much more believe much more of a believer in Jimmy G than I am in Trey Lance. I know Coward got some heat this week saying that he thinks the 49ers are better without Lance now. I kind of agree. I mean the way Jimmy G was received by his teammates, the way he appears to have more chemistry with his guys. That's the way it looks. Now, I'm not saying 49ers should be cheering that Lance is hurt. I'm nothing against Trey Lance, even though he absolutely eviscerated the Panthers when he was here in the MVFC playing for the North Dakota State Bison. But that's where I'm at currently, folks. Two to three games into this NFL season. Talking contender, pretender, believe, disbelieve, real or fake here on this Saturday morning on Cornstalks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. 
Don't go anywhere. We have senior linebacker and captain for UNI football. He's joining us in just a few. It's Spencer Kuvalier. Really excited for that one. He's going to help us preview that game against Western Illinois and talk about the defense as a whole right now. So stay right here on AM950 KOEL and KOEL.com for more corn stocks and sports talk. As the Panthers look to get back in the win column today at Western Illinois, it's defense that's the focus. Now on to join us to talk about the defense and the game today is senior linebacker and captain Spencer Kuvalier. Spencer, we appreciate you hopping on, man. Chipper as always. Absolutely. At any time. So first things first, man, um, a lot of talk over the last few weeks about tackling. That's That's been the focus for the UNI defense recently. Uh, Coach Farley said on Monday that it's, that it's more of a mental thing and that Drilling, tackling won't necessarily be a huge focus this week because, you know, there's only so much you can do in terms of contact and stuff like that throughout the season. Um, where are you guys at with that? Uh, do you think it's a mental thing for you guys right now, too? I think I think it is. And I think after the game that we played last Saturday, obviously you can rewatch the film and kind of see some of the, the issues that we may have had fundamentally and, and technique-wise. And I think we're just playing a little, little hesitant. Now, I think really – what's going to fix it if we just play with our ears pinned back and just go and just go and just just not even think and just go react because that's what that's what being on defense and football everything's reactive you're just reading your key reading your guard reading who, whoever it might be taking your first read step and just going and I feel like there's just we're just playing hesitant I feel like we're just afraid to get beat deep and I just and so that we're letting you know plays in front of us come up for four or five six yard gain instead of you know a one or two yard loss or, or gain you know what I'm saying so where is that hesitancy coming from, you think? Is is it just a, a maybe thinking about it too much kind of situation? What do you think? Um, you know, that's that's a great question. I, I would say and it, the, the, the thing that's kind of frustrating, too, for a lot of us is that we're, we're you know, by the, we're a veteran group and we, and we know the defense. And so it's not necessarily the calls that, that's confusing. And I, maybe we're just overthinking. Because there's a lot of guys on the team that spend a lot of time watching film, and maybe they tr- they overanalyze when they see a certain formation. They're expecting one thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, they they may get a different play than they were originally expecting, and then all of a sudden, it puts them in a bad footwork, bad technique. You know, you, you catch yourself guessing instead of actually just reacting, reading your keys, and playing that way. So, is there anything? And I asked this to Coach Farley too uh, on Monday. Like I said, tackling's been the focus. I'm sure that's what it's been uh, internally too. Is there anything that that you know fans or, or or media might not be seeing right now? Maybe an adjustment or two that that you guys can make. Uh, maybe it's not just mental. Maybe it is something on the field. Yeah, I would say uh, the media and, and and people outside of just the team in, in particular. I, I don't think they see how or how hard some guys are working. Um, and and that's and that's no fault to them. Obviously, I mean, how how are they? How are we expected? have other people see see the way we work and things like that and so you know I, I know it's been an issue in the past um and I and I, I true I truly after that, that last Sacramento State game after it was after we really struggled with tackling I uh, I try I'm saying this with confidence I hope and I, I don't think that's going to be an issue moving forward I think you know we're going to re- really lock in and focus on what and what our technique is and what we have to do in order to make make some plays and be productive on, on defense so we're talking with Spencer Kuvalier. Got a game against Western Illinois this weekend. Uh, we're here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Spencer, as a captain, as a guy who's seen just about everything, you, you had your two years at, at JUCO, and now you've had four years here in, in Cedar Falls. 
Um, and I mean, you've you've been playing pretty much from the get go since your time in, in Cedar Falls. Um, I mean, you've seen games against Iowa State. You've now seen you've seen the triple option. So basically, you've seen everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so what's your message to the guys right now as you know, as a captain, as a guy who's seen a lot of things um, uh, about writing the ship, about figuring it out uh, going forward and, and winning some games? Yeah, uh, it's 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 kind of funny the way life plays out sometimes. So my redshirt freshman year at Iowa Central, we started off this season, I think we were one and three, maybe maybe one and four, something like that. I don't remember the exact term, but I, I know we had just got back from Garden City. We had just gotten throttled by them, and we came back. And we, we, you know, we got off the buses. We left the buses a mess. We turned around on Sunday, had to show up to the field. We ran sprints after a game, and, and everyone was tired. And it was, it was raining outside. It was muddy, and we were like, like everyone was just kind of complaining and stuff like that. And then that week of practice, they they cut out, they, they kicked some guys off the team. That's a little bit different situation, but they, they were just they were upset with like the the little details that just weren't being done. And and all of a sudden they, they cut out the crap. Even even some really super athletic kids, some Division One football players that are just causing issues on the team, kind of kicked them off, or they, they they did kick them off. And in turn. Turn around, we win six games in a row, and then turn around, and win our bowl game. We, we won, ended up finishing the season, winning the seven straight. And so, it's not, it's not a position you want to be in. You don't want to be zero and three. But when your back's against the wall, it's a, it's a great lesson for a lot of guys to really find out who we truly are as a team. I was just going to bring that up. I mean, you know, one thing that I think Panther fans have seen over and over again is, you know the team might be in a situation where they don't want to be, but when there's the back against the wall for you and I, that's where things really kick in. Um, do, do you feel a sense of urgency now amongst the team now that um, you guys are, are really going to need to win a few in a row to get back to the playoffs and, and to be close to the top of the MBFC? Yeah. So I, I don't think it changes how we prepare for games. I mean, we're very serious in, in, in the way we, we prepare for games, but I think, I think having, you know, three games under our belt, understanding some of the mistakes that we made and what we can really focus on, I think should really help us move forward. Just having an understanding of, of what we can get better and whether, like, like we said, it's tackling, whether it's knowing the defensive play call, whatever the case may be, really honing in on, on specific details and, and really trying to be productive and, and, and use those details on the field. And, I mean, to boot, there's this, this defense is loaded with vets. I mean, you guys have been there, done that. Um, is that pretty important in, in flipping this thing around? And not only that, guys on the offensive side of the ball who there's quite a few new faces there, but there's also a lot of experience there too. Yeah. No, there's a – well, and the nice part is for the guys who have been here for a while, just because I, I may be labeled as a cap, captain doesn't mean, you know, Corby Sander, like he's on the sideline giving our, our defensive pep talk. I mean, there, there are guys that are able to stand up and, and you know, be vocal and, and not only vocal, but lead by example, too. You know, Bryce Flater's a great guy who leads by example. And, and Javon Brecky, there, there's guys that may not get mentioned as being, you know, a, a leader or, or because they're not a captain. But just because they aren't doesn't mean they're not doing the right things. Doesn't mean that they're not being vocal and, and leading in the correct ways. Again, we're talking with Spencer Kuvalier, captain linebacker from UNI Football here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. Uh one big thing that I think a lot of people are are looking at with the defense and that has been mentioned is no coach Jeremiah Johnson. And he's been around with with you since your time that you started at UNI. 
um, your the entirety of your career. And now it's flipped to, to coach Randall McRae. And there's got to be some adjustment there, right? It's not necessarily any sort of indictment of coach McRae, but there is a difference after a guy's been around for a long time. Um, and we haven't heard a lot about coach McRae. Can, can you tell us about what he's been like at practice and games, anything in specifics that you've, uh, you've learned from him or anything like that? Yeah. Well, he, he knows the game of football. You know, I think, I think it was last season he spent, uh, I think he was an assistant special teams coach at the Arizona Cardinals. And, and he, he runs a lot of, uh, he does a lot of special teams here for you or our, our team as well. And, and the way he, he, he has a lot of different techniques that I've never even heard of that <laughs> I, I think, I think are really beneficial when you can, when you can utilize them. I mean, so he, he's, he's definitely brought some things to the table that, that I personally, as a, you know, as a football player trying to learn not our, you know, knowledge from football, he's taught us a lot of different things as far as that goes, techniques, th- different ways to look at formations, angles, and, and, and things along those lines. How about uh, personality wise? What's he like at, at practice? <laughs> he, he, he can jump you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he can, he can jump you, but, but also he's, he's going to come over there. He's going to give you nuts. He's going to ask you how you're doing. He's, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be the first guy in your corner telling you a good job if you, if you do something well, but, but he, he, he demands, he demands a upbeat and tempo and he, and he demands perfection. And, and you know what? I wouldn't want that in. And that's what I look for in a coach anyway. So uh, one thing I've I've noticed with with McCray at the helm specifically for you is you've got two sacks. Haven't seen that at. Uh, did you have a sack at all last year? I don't think. Yeah, there you go. So uh, is that a byproduct of the change, or, or are you trying to get those numbers up for NFL scouts? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to play within the defense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was just kind of designed by by the coaching staff there. Uh, you know, Foley, McCray, and McCarley, all, all three of those great minds to the, the entire week prepping and things like that, and we just happened to get a call that we were looking for, and and they showed us the formation. They, you know, they called in the right call, and I just try to you know make a play while 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 it's there for me. So before we move on to talking a little bit about your opponent this this weekend in in Western Illinois, there's also been a lot of talk uh, positively about the offense being a top 15 offense nationally. Um, I mean, truth be told, we haven't seen an offense like this uh, in Cedar Falls in, in quite a while. What have you seen from them that's that's really impressed you, at least? I mean, not maybe in games, maybe in practice, maybe in camp. What have you seen so far? Yeah, uh, I, I talked to a lot of guys on defense about it, too, and we were almost in the best way possible, complaining about it during fall camp. Where I, like when we were when we were lining up against some coach readers, got those guys in different formations, and like they're they're, they're running plays against us that we don't let. I shouldn't say we don't like playing, but that's difficult for our defense to, to defend against in, in games. And all of a sudden, you know what what we're seeing other teams do, we've incorporated that, and and, and now they're running and they're running running it very well. And I, and I know other defenses don't like running against it either. And 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 that's what and like during fall camp, I was excited for it, like. Even though it's difficult, like it's great, it's great for our defense to you know practice against these kind of things. But also, it's just great to see the offense doing you know something a little bit new and and really moving the ball up and down the field. Last thing for you, Spencer, before we let you go, as we get to this this game against Western Illinois, uh, Josh Betts mentioned to me on on Sunday that this could very well be sort of a a get right game. I, I know people are kind of looking at it like that. Uh, you guys can sort of settle in and, and get things uh, figured out going forward. Do, do you guys see it that way? Is it a game where um, this is a team um, you guys beat them 41 to three last year for being, if we're just being Frank um, that you guys can, can get your heads right, not necessarily be super worried about making the right play or, or doing that thing that you mentioned, pinning the ears back and, and going after it. Yeah, I guess I haven't I haven't heard people say anything like that. And I I guess I haven't looked at it that way, and I don't think anybody in this team's looking at it that way. They're in the same boat as us. You know, we're zero three. They're zero three, and we're not. 
we're not anything, you know, to be in a position to say anything like that. You know, in my opinion, uh, we're, we're taking every game as serious as we possibly can. We're, we're going to come out and we're going to try to be, you know, nails on, on, on everything we do on, on special teams, on offense and defense, on third down, on first down. We're going to try to come out and be nails on every single S or facet of, of football. Chipper and professional. That's Spencer Kuvalier right there. So what can you tell us about, about Western Illinois before we let you go? Uh, we, we know they've got a whole new staff. Uh, under Myers Hendrickson, who's their new head guy. So it's going to be different this season. What do you know about uh, the Leathernecks so far and, and preparing for them? Yeah, uh, they're, so they're, they're going to be a little bit different than last year. I know they returned some of the same guys. Uh, I know they have some good good weapons on the outside, a couple of receivers that, that are really talented, and they're, they're rotating through some different quarterbacks and things like that. Um, so I, and a couple of them can run, a couple of them can throw, because a few of them can do both. And so you know where it's going to be. Just gonna kind of have to deal with uh, the play, or you know, the cards that are dealt to us, and so we're just gonna play our, our the best possible sound football game that we can do, and you know, just try to go win a football game. He's Spencer Cuvalier, you and I, linebacker and captain for the Panthers. Spencer, we appreciate you hopping on, man. Anytime, Miller. Thanks. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. We got that third and final segment with Sean Bach from Hawkeye Insider and 24-7 Sports coming up. Talking a little bit about Kendrick Raphael, 2023 four-star running back who has decided to decommit from Iowa. And then we'll preview that game against Rutgers coming up this weekend. So stay right here for more corn stocks and sports talk on AM 950, KOEL, and KOEL.com. A big loss for the Iowa Hawkeyes this week, and no, it was not on the field. Here now to talk with us about it on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM950, KOEL, and KOEL.com this morning. With me, you and I, Insider, for Town Square Media, Elliot Clough, it is Sean Bach of Hawkeye Insider and 24-7 Sports. Sean, 2023 four-star running back Kendrick Rayfield, he decommitted from Iowa this week. Uh were you surprised to hear this? What 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 led him to to take this direction? Yeah, it was a little bit of something that you didn't really think it would happen until it happened, but there were rumblings of it. There was I talked I reached out to a couple sources close to Raphael a couple weeks ago saying, like, hey, I know there's more schools coming in. NC State has always been involved. Vanderbilt started getting involved in Oregon was the big one that really started to get involved with Raphael. And the Ducks haven't offered yet from at least what we know. But after Oregon missed out on a running back target that went to Alabama, the Ducks really started to hone in on Rayfield a little bit and kind of show that interest. And I mean, why wouldn't you with the way that Rayfield is playing? I think he has like 667 yards and like six touchdowns, maybe through four games this year. I think it might be more than that, but it's still a really impressive year for a guy in Florida and a guy that I thought Iowa was really lucky to land at that point in the cycle. Not a guy that I expected to commit right after his official visit to Iowa in June, but ended up being that way. NC State's never given up. There have been a couple other teams that have been there. And I mean, I I mean, those schools have a they have a good pitch. I mean, the pitch is pretty much there right for the taking is hey, like, do you see what this offense is doing? Do you see what Iowa's run game has done? Like relatively nothing. Like, do you want to go in that or do you want to play in an offense where you're going to be effective or it's going to be effective. And, you know, maybe Iowa can prove that. But, you know, in the first three games, I think that has shown that those teams can really have that edge and really use that to against Iowa's um, against Iowa. And that's ultimately what happened. And I think there was some like miscommunication with some other things and, you know, a few other things behind the scenes, nothing too crazy, but just kind of a just kind of a weird deal. Um, you know, I talked to a couple of people close to Rayfield 
after he decommitted and they were like, Oh, that's news to me that he's decommitting. So yeah, that's, it was kind of a interesting situation, but I mean, I was in a good place with a couple 2024 running backs. Um, Ty just cram being one from Bondurant, really, really intriguing prospect that I think is Iowa's top target in the 2024 class overall. Um, they're on Brevin Dahl, who is a uh, 2024 running back from Adel, who has an offer from Army. Really good speed. I think he was like the state champ in the 200 the last two years as a sophomore and freshman, which is really impressive. And there's a few other guys that they're going in on, too. And um, I know we'll probably talk about it later, but I think with the state of the running back room right now at Iowa, there, there, there's reason to believe that this, this, this decommit one will be all right. Like, there's, it's not the end of the world. Like, if you're losing someone, like say Marco Linez or even a Caden Proctor, Caden Proctor especially, be not just say he's a five star, but he's the type of guy that can come in right away and make an impact, and you need him to do that on the offensive line next year. Um, then we'd be we'd be a little more worried, but I think with the state of the running back room and how things are looking now, that's one it's one that you can uh, kind of afford, but it still stings for sure. So <clears throat> you, you mentioned some things behind the scenes. Obviously, like you said, nothing crazy. I you know it's it's tough to to look at this and not immediately think of the offense like the product that's on the field, right? But like, was there any issue of him feeling like he was not a priority? Or did you see anything like that? Uh, no, not too much. I think it had more to do with the offense. Okay. Um, that was one of the big things I think the offense lacking was the bigger concern with everything. And, you know, I mean, winning, winning helps. And I think with these kids from Florida too, and not, it's not just any kid from Florida, like, or it's not every kid from Florida, but a lot of them, especially ones that Iowa's had in the past, these Florida kids are the one, I mean, they, they love to be recruited. Um, that there's no doubt about that. I know you and I dips into Florida a decent amount, if if I'm correct there. And um, Iowa, I think their last in the 2021 cycle, they had a decommitment from Florida, and then 2023 they have a decommitment from a Florida kid as well. And they just like to be recruited, and that's just kind of the the culture down there. Is those kids just like to be recruited, and you know, it's it's just one of those things that you kind of got to deal with when you recruit Florida kids. I think Iowa's done a really good job of getting those kids and keeping them. But there's also like, it's recruiting. You're going to have one or two kids that, you know, don't feel like they're fit anymore at a certain program. And, you know, they're going to end up decommitting. And that's what happened with Rayfield. And, you know, it's just kind of the whole story. Again, we're talking with Sean Bach from Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports. He covers recruiting for 24-7 Sports and the Hawkeyes. So I wrote an article about this too. Um, it, it's on koel.com if, if you want to give it a look. And then, of course, check out Hawkeye Insider for for Sean's work. But And I'm sure people in the fan base are, are going to start freaking out, might be a strong word, but being worried uh, that other 2023 commits are, are going to back out. I mean, specifically Caden Proctor, Ben Keeter, Trevor Lauk, some of these more higher profile guys. Thoughts there? Is there any real... Uh, any real backing to feeling that way or is it just speculation at this point it's speculation i mean alabama has continued to go hard at proctor but he's not really talking to them or just ignores them just pushes them aside there's been a couple other schools that have continued to reach out i talked to him at southeast polk a couple weeks ago for an art for a story and he was saying he has 1300 unread text from college coaches since he's committed but he just kind of says you know what whatever like, I'm not going to look at him. Um, so there, there's that for Proctor. 
And a couple of these other kids, too, no. I think they're pretty solid. I know a lot of people have asked about Alex Moda, the three-star wide receiver from Marion, um, with the Iowa struggles in the passing game, if he's going to stay. And he's all locked in. He wants to get there this summer and potentially make an early impact. Feels that the offense can really take a step forward next year with the with the playmakers. So, no, there's, there's some recruits that, you know, Iowa's had in the past where they kind of, dwell on the one to two to three games that and look at that and see Iowa's performance. But I think a lot of the kids in the class or at least all of them now are really set on, okay, like we can come in and make an impact and we know the whole body of work. Obviously the offense has not been where it needs to be, but we know what Iowa can do from a development standpoint. We know how we fit in the program. We trust the coaches, all that stuff. And you know, I think that's kind of the thought process of a lot of them. So, no, I, I don't I don't expect any decommitments. OK, well, that's that's good to hear for Hawkeye fans who are who are tuning in. Now, you mentioned the 2024 class for, for the running back position um, and, and some of these in-state guys. Is the 2023 class done? Are, are, are they not going after these guys anymore? Are they not trying to fill that running back spot that's now empty? I feel like they might look for one more. The plan has always been to take one. There was a time where I think they were looking to take two, but I think they're more set on one. I think it'll be more so looking for the right fit. But also, like, you have the guys like Caleb Johnson and Jasmine Patterson who are going to be really good players in due time. And you have Caleb Johnson – or you have uh, Gavin Williams and LaShawn Williams for a couple more years. Then you have Devin Hilson, too, the Des Moines North product, who, you know, I think has a lot of upside if he can stay healthy. So – Obviously, the transfer portal is a thing. I'm not going to speculate that anyone's going to transfer, but you never know in this day and age of college football. So, I mean, it's better to be safe than sorry. They could take one more running back, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of shift the focus to 2024 because there are three running backs that Liddell Betts seemed to really have his eye on, and that's Cram, Dahl, and then Aeneas Williams from Hannibal, Missouri, um, who has pretty much an offer from everybody, but – I mean, the location factor is something that Iowa can sell, but I mean, until they get them on campus, I don't see Iowa having a great shot. But I think with guys like Cram and Dahl, you have really good shots, especially if you offer Dahl. Got it. So um, as as we're looking forward with this Iowa offense, one thing that's been talked about quite a bit is, well, I, I, at least a little bit, I suppose, is the shift in the type of quarterbacks that Iowa's recruiting. Like Joey Labus is more of a, a mobile guy. Carson May, more of a mobile guy. Marco Lainez, and then uh, James Reeser, who's coming in too. Um, is this a shift in how Iowa wants to run their offense, not only with the quarterbacks, but with the running backs too? Because when you look at Rayfield, he doesn't strike me as like a power guy. He strikes me as a speed guy. And, and you mentioned some of these other guys running pretty quick. Um, I guess is... Is this a shift that you see? Is it a shift that they're consciously making? Uh, where where are you at with that? What do you see go, going on there? Yeah, Farron said that the has said in the past that the number one thing that they look for is can he throw the ball? I mean, that's obviously a really really important trait for a quarterback. <laughs> but I think they look at fit, and I mean, if if and Kirk has said too, if if he can run, like that's a that's a big help. And I don't think he'll admit it, but I think they have kind of looked in that direction a little bit more with mobility and being able to extend plays because I think they want to do certain things with the offense that they don't want to be limited in certain ways that could maybe alter this offense like it has, you know, in the last few years. I mean, not to knock on Nate Stanley or Spencer Petrus, but obviously their mobility isn't what what got them, you know, to where they're at now. 
So I, I think it's a trend that they kind of are going towards a little bit. I don't think they want to admit it as much, but having a quarterback that in this day and age in college football too, you need a guy, I think that unless he has the most for, unless he's Chad Powers, if people, if people <laughs> understand that, if people understand that reference, then, um, then I think you got to have a guy that can move a little bit and you got to have speed. You got to have, you know, guys that are able to extend plays and make something out of nothing. Um, I mean, not overly like quick. You don't need a guy like Michael Vick back there, but you need someone with that can move. And I think with these guys coming in, it's going to create that and it's going to make this offense more, more complete. Now it needs to happen on the field. We need to see it, but I still think it's, it's something that they're probably looking towards more into, but, and I mean, will probably be something that they do for the rest of the uh, rest of the time that the staff is there. Sean Bach on with us from Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports here on Cornstocks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com this morning. He's not only a master of recruiting, but a master of Twitter references, too. <laughs> so today, Iowa takes on Rutgers at Rutgers. Uh, first away game for, for the Hawks. Um, before we get to that, I, I guess we're... Were you satisfied or or I'm impressed is probably a, a too strong of a word, but satisfied with the Iowa's off with Iowa's offense against Nevada and and do you think they can keep it going as the the season progresses? Yeah, I've always said that I think I'm going to start judging this offense when everyone is back. And I mean, I love the big plays that Iowa tried to do in the passing game. I thought those four those three targets to Brody Breck downfield were really intriguing. Nico Regani had one. Keegan Johnson's doubtful, I think, for the Rutgers game, so I don't think he'll play. So they could have maybe done a couple more things with him had he been healthy. I think that's that's a positive from the game. I think that was a big positive going downfield, being more – I mean, you can afford to do that against a team like Nevada, especially with the way Iowa's defense was playing. Now the run game I thought was better in some areas. I mean, obviously the two Caleb Johnson runs were were awesome to see, but – you look at the stats, 55, 40-yard runs, that's, what, 95 yards or 90 yards or 95 yards, right, if my math is right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, not not overly, you know, consistent with what Iowa wants to do running the football in some areas. I think overall as a team, they were averaging maybe – three rushing yards in per carry in that game. I think it was maybe over a little bit over three, which I mean is better from the first two games. It wasn't overly productive in the first two games. So I think with Iowa, one of the things that you really need to need to establish the run with the run game is you need to find more consistency overall instead of like, I mean, these, these big runs are great, but I think you need to get more of the, you know, instead of the negative chunk yards, you need to get, five, four, like six, you know, three, something like that instead of negative one, zero, eight, like something on there. You need to get those, you need to get those positive plays. You can't afford a lot of, a lot of negative plays in the run game. And, you know, when the offense is going backwards, that's obviously when it's going to be at its worst, but when it's going forward, now it's only going forward, but that also keeps the defense honest and, and makes you, you know, these these teams take you more seriously with the passing game instead of loading the box. And one area where I think Iowa is going to have a chance to make a play happen this weekend is over the top. I think if they can establish a run game and force 
Rutgers to, you know, really load the box and try to stop the run game, Iowa can maybe get something over the top and break down that Rutgers secondary because that's one of the question marks for the Scarlet Knights team is that secondary. There's some inexperience there. They forced a couple of turnovers this year, but there is a lot of experience, inexperience in the secondary for Rutgers, and I think that's an area where Iowa can exploit but the run game has to be there first. And, you know, I think if they pat, if they load the box too, that could also open up for the air attack. But I think you just need to keep them more honest with, with everything in, the, in your offense. What's the final score of today's game? I'm going to say, I'm going to say 17 to 10, Iowa. I, I think I've gone back bad. between 17, 13, 17, 10, but I think it'll be 17, 10. Yeah, you know, when I initially thought of a score, I said 24 in my head, and then I was like, I don't know if they can score that many points. Yeah, so, especially on the road. Right, it's exactly. Gonna be, it's going to be a crazy environment there, too. I think they've lost, Rutgers has lost 19 straight Big Ten home games, and this is their first, I think it was their first night game with fans since COVID. Night, wow. like, home game with since COVID, so... Yeah, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens, and you know, we'll see. It's it's definitely a game that I would have said is a trap game, but I think it's just a straight up game at this point. I mean, with the way Iowa has performed and with the way the expectations are now, the game is at six p.m. on FS1 tonight. He is Sean Bach joining us today, this Saturday morning at sbach247 on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Sean, we always appreciate your insight, man. Yeah, thank you, really Appreciate it, man. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk here on AM 950, KOEL and KOEL.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today, folks. If you missed any part of today's show, you can always listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, both of these guest segments, first with Spencer and then with Sean, will be on my YouTube page as well. Just search Elliot Clough and you will find it there. It'll also be in the description of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. So once again, folks, I am Elliot Clough, UNI Insider for Town Square Media. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Elliot Clough. Thanks so much for tuning in. And this was another week's episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.